This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Yep. Hello, America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Well, the DNC is finally over. Last night, I, I, you know what? I'm going to give you my opinion later. The boys will give you their opinion later. We want to hear from you. Just like we did last week with the RNC conventions, the good and the bad. What did you think about the Democratic convention? What leapt out at you? What were you left with? We're trying to look at this from both sides. We're looking for people who... um, can be honest enough and say, I'm not speaking for me. I'm speaking for those Americans that don't really pay attention and are undecided. What did they get from the RNC if they were just casually tuning in? And what were the what was the feeling they got watching the DNC? And then also, of course, your opinion on, oh my gosh, the agonizing Marxist speeches and diatribes. We want to hear from you. The number is 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. You are the star of the show. We want to hear what you thought, and we begin there right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. It was Stu's night to watch last night. It was. Now, you said that we're all going to comment on it, which yes. makes me believe you guys watched it. I did. That, did that true? Jeffy watched, watched it. Chelsea and, and, and you could, Hillary. I mean... Uh, Pat, did you watch it? Okay. I mm. we all did. Did you watch it, Glenn? Good enough. I watched enough. I watched yeah. enough. This was the brilliance of I know, Makeup shut up. Because I knew it was such a big deal we'd all have to watch it anyway. Yeah. So so um I don't wanna give I, I don't wanna give um I don't wanna give my opinion uh on on this, but I wanna hear from the audience today. If you watched this week and you watched Hillary Clinton, what did you think? Let's, let's listen to the audience first and then give, and give our opinions. And really what I'm looking for is what is the message that you walked away with if you were an uninformed or just a regular person and you're not listening to talk radio every day, you're not a Democratic you know, uh, blogger, you're just the average person that's going to work every day and you are paying attention somewhat. You're concerned about the country and, you know, you're an average person. What was the message that you walked away with? 
Then the second thing I want to know is, because you do listen to talk radio most likely every day, what was the message that you saw, that anybody who was paying attention actually saw? And what was the feeling that you had walking away? I had a uh, full-fledged panic attack a couple of times because I thought, dear God, these people could actually be running our country. Um, (laughs) But uh, we'll get into that later. Let me go to Janice in Florida. Hello, Janice. Hi, Glenn. Hi. Tell us us a little bit about yourself first. Who are you? What do you do? Okay. First off, um, I am disabled. I have been paralyzed since 1998, okay? Okay. And it's not a big deal. I'm a happy person. I do everything, raise two kids, and actually met you in 2010 when my son was stationed in Afghanistan. Holy cow. So yesterday, watching the DNC, and I've been trying to watch both the RNC. I watched all of that. I'm trying to force myself to watch everything with the DNC. I'm trying to be an open-minded person. Right. And in looking at it, of course, on a veteran state of, uh, you know, point, I was absolutely heartbroken, and I thought it was such disgrace. It was just disgraceful to see how the general got up there and he was interrupted how many times when the police officer got up there for a moment of silence for all the police officers that were killed. And I think what speaks volumes is the fact that nobody from the DNC, nobody not even Hillary Clinton, got up there to say that was wrong. That was wrong. Okay? And that's what's killing me. I know that for the last, since I saw you, Glenn, in 2010, I have been fighting for my son, who is my hero, for, sorry, all these years. And he's still not receiving his disability. He still can't even you know, get a job, okay? And I look at this and I say, oh, my God, he gave his life for his as a veteran for this country. What is wrong with people? Why are we not waking up and seeing this? Why is it Hillary Clinton can get up there and say, everything's great with the VA, okay? My son was wounded. He's, I don't even want to take up your time. But it's, no, no. it's just been horrific experience. And Janice. I actually gave up my home to, to, to pay my son's medical bills that the government should be paying. And I, a house is nothing. It's nothing. Money is nothing when it's your child's life. But this country, what's wrong with all of you? Let's wake up. Janice, um, wow. I, I don't even know what to say other than you are a remarkable remarkable mother um and i am deeply sorry for everything that you're going through and you know the one thing i would love to see our um our administration do and the only apology that i would like to see our administration offer is one to the veterans um we have we have become worse than the people of the 1960s we have the ability to do everything that needs to be done. And there's not only not an effort to do those things, they spit 
in the eye of so many of our veterans with the lies about the VA. Um, Can I ask you, Janice, do you think the average person saw that? Glenn, I have to tell you, I feel that I'm a person, I'm out all the time, okay? I actually work, I, I have a service dog. I go down twice a week to our local West Palm Beach VA. And the people within there are wonderful, okay? And I work with our veterans, with, our, with the service dogs. And I'm trying to actually even provide to other organizations service dogs for our veterans because that would stop. And I'm able to talk to so many people. I think people find, maybe because I'm in a wheelchair, they find um, it very approachable, especially with the service dogs. So a lot of people talk to me. And I have been able to speak to, like, grassroots. And of all ethnic backgrounds, Hispanics, African-Americans, every day. And when we get in the conversation and I tell them my story and I show them, for example, when my son tried, wanted to, was suicidal on a Saturday and I made a phone call for help to the hotline and I was told, yes, we'll be there first thing Monday because they don't work weekends. People are appalled, okay? And when I say to them, can you do me a favor? Can you take off your... This isn't about if I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. This is about us as Americans. Forget everything else. And if you just listen to my story, and they do, and by the end of it, when I say to them, while I'm paying for him, because I called a private place, I wasn't going to let my son die. And I asked them, if you can get my son to come into your hospital, and it was 40000 a month, I don't have that kind of money. I'm on disability, okay? I raised two sons, both Marines. But I don't have that kind of income. But I said, I'll give you my home. I will give you, I'll sell this house. I'll give you my home. They did. They got him. I sold my house. While he's in there, I get a letter from the government saying they were taking away his disability for his ankle. He has four metal bolts in his leg, okay? And a scar like you wouldn't believe. On the ground, he has no scar. So I show people this. I actually show them. And when they see it, they're like, oh, my God, how could that be? Well, well, guess what? Five years later, six years later, I'm still on my third appeal now, still not receiving his money. Okay? When I'm able to show people everything and show them how I went to congressmen, I went to different, I get the form letters back. Nothing helped. But the people within the VA, they have been wonderful. He was even turned down on his PTSD. As a matter of fact, next week we're having a hearing finally again. You know, who knows what's going to happen next. But this young man Jan- is still not receiving what he deserves. People Janice, listen. He, could, I, could I ask you for, put, put you on hold. I want to get your phone number and some information because I don't, I don't know why. I just I'm have sorry. a feeling somebody, no, no, no. I have a feeling somebody in this audience is going to want to contact you. Um, so could you hold on just a second? Janice, thank you so much. And our prayers and our gratitude are with you. <sighs> wow. Uh, Karen in Pennsylvania. Hello, Karen. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. What did you think last night about uh, Hillary Clinton? The, the entire convention and the speeches, I'm looking for two different perspectives. One as through the eyes of the average person that just doesn't pay attention to politics, and two, your perspective. 
Uh, yeah, so I, I wouldn't say that I don't pay attention at all. I, I, I'm not, not a, a member of any particular party, um, yeah. but I, I tend to vote um, more Republican, um, but I, I can't vote for Trump. I mean, it's just, it's just absurdity. Um, and that's the one thing I think Hillary Clinton got right last night is everything she said about him is true. I mean, it was the one time she, I think she tells the truth is when she talks about him. I mean, he's not. He, he, he really, I don't believe he can be trusted. Um, I've, I've decided I'm going to vote for Gary Johnson. Um, I don't agree with him on probably maybe 20% of things. Mm-hmm. But um, I, Republicans haven't really gotten what I think they should have gotten done. Um, so I'm a little disappointed, well, very disappointed in, in the last uh, several years with uh, Republican control of of Congress or even, you know, the presidency. Um, Karen, thank you. Thank you very much for your uh, phone call. Stu, can you share with me, because let me tie these last two calls together. This speaks volumes so far in the early voting. Is it early voting with military or is it polls with the military? Uh, polls. Polls with the military. Those who are active military, the polls show that leading is Gary Johnson. Yeah, which is shocking. Shocking. I mean, Republicans always win this vote. Yes, um, and we got to remember, the libertarians, Gary Johnson in particular, is like, pull him home, bring him home. The military, that is, these are the guys who know what's going on, and they have such fear of the two parties that they're going for the libertarian. This is disintegrating. This is, honestly, if that holds, this is yet another reason why the Republican Party is over. When you can't hold the military, you got nothing. You got nothing. Especially with a guy, there's one thing that Donald Trump has done, and he's been, you know, strong on the military, you know, we're going to take care of our boys, et cetera, et cetera. He's, he hasn't said anything. They're afraid of his big talk and his understanding of what's happening in the world. That is remarkable to me. Yeah, I mean, it's unclear exactly, you know, the, the polls is being reported widely by major sources. I, I don't know the methodology behind it. So yeah, we don't know. If I, and I, I want to make this clear. If this poll holds true, right. you know, this is one poll We've seen polls like this come and go on many different things. It's only one poll. But if it holds true, that is remarkable. I've never seen even one poll say anything like that ever before. Uh, Gary Johnson, 38.7. Donald Trump, 30.9. And 14.1% for Clinton. Remarkable. Now this. When you go to Las Vegas, you might be gambling with more than just the money in your pocket. Some malware was placed on a casino's payment card system. And what somebody did, they put this on there. So every time people came in to get some chips, every time somebody came in to get some money, all of their personal information was sent to a, um, uh, a identity theft, uh, identity thief. Um, casinos discovered the breach when a buttload of customers called them up and said, hey, uh, we're tracing this back to you guys. I used my card and now somebody's using my card everywhere. 
Identity thieves use your information to buy stuff, liquidate your bank account, your retirement savings. They can wipe you out. We know that Russia is part of this. And identity thieves are now beginning to work together and trading information so they can get all of your information. Somebody will have your credit card, but somebody else will have all of your banking information or your retirement information. Somebody will have your Social Security, and they will put them all together And that way, all of them can go for it. It's really bad what's happening. 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I remember seeing LifeLock and going, I don't need any of that. You do now. This is a must-to-have now. Nobody can protect all identity against all identity theft. Nobody can monitor all the transactions at all of the business. But LifeLock is the best identity theft protection available. They scan hundreds of millions of transactions every second of every day, literally, Memberships start at $9.99 a month, plus sales tax. Go to lifelock.com or call 1-800-440-4936. It's 1-800-440-4936. If you use the promo code BECK, you get 10% off your membership. This is a must in today's world. 800-440-4936, lifelock.com. Glenn Beck. Want to see Glenn live? If you're coming to Texas, you can. Join us at Mercury Studios in Dallas for a taping of Glenn's television show. To reserve your seat, email tickets at glennbeck.com with your information. That's tickets at glennbeck.com. Mercury. I am a big fan of disruptive ideas, and this year, Casper Mattresses is on the top of my list. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and I love sleeping on my Casper mattress. Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at an unbelievably fair price. It combines springy latex and supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep service with just the right sink and just the right bounce. And better yet, it breathes so you don't wake up drenched in sweat. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your home. And if you don't love it, they're going to pick it up and refund everything. Imagine that, a company so confident that their product is what you want that they'll offer a 100% refund. Made in America, with free shipping and returns to U.S. and Canada. Get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash Glenn and use the promo code Glenn. Terms and conditions do apply. Go to casper.com slash Glenn, casper.com slash Glenn. Go to casper.com slash Glenn, casper.com slash Glenn. The progressive movement is full of lies, and Americans continue to keep falling for the deception over and over again. In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck helps us understand why. Liars. Available August 2nd. Pre-order now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Boy, you want to defeat, you want your country back. You want to defeat progressivism. You need to understand its roots. You need to understand its history. This is a book that everyone should buy. You should buy two copies. One that you keep. And I'm telling you, history is, is written by the winners. This stuff is going to be rewritten um and we need it already has been you've never read the stories that are in these in this book you don't know who these people are um 
This is all footnoted, but you need to keep a copy yourself and pass it on through the generations so somebody knows the truth of what happened to us. The other is give this to a, um, give this to a millennial. Um, they don't know history. This is a really great storybook. It has the stories in it. Um, and when a millennial sees who these people are, I really think that it is, uh, it's eye-opening. I I remember when we did um, the week on the civil rights and uh, Jack and Oscar were really upset. They were two African-Americans on my set at Fox and they were with cameraman. One was floor and the other one was cameraman. And uh, I said, um, Jack wouldn't even talk to me. Uh, until the end of one of the shows, he was so mad, he kept turning his back. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've said something to really offend him. And I went up to him and he said, I am furious right now, but not at you. My mother tried to tell me stories about the good guys that are African-Americans that love this country. I never learned any of this. Who has kept this away from me? And the answer was the progressive liars the people who rewrote history. This is the same kind of book. And I think when curious, when your kids become curious as to what's really going on, they will see or you can tell them these stories. And when they realize their education has been a total sham and what they just watched during the convention is complete and total lies, you also, in this book... It, the, the subtitle is How Progressives Explode our, Exploit Our Fears for Power and Control. You will understand last night or this week's convention completely, completely. Get Liars. It is available next Tuesday at bookstores. It is available now at Amazon.com or wherever you buy your books. Liars, my new book, available everywhere. Tuesday, available online right now. Back in a minute. The Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. We're talking to you about the conventions and what did you get from the conventions? What spoke to you, good or bad? And then I haven't heard anybody yet that's able to separate themselves out and say, this is what I think the average person who doesn't pay attention to politics, I think this is what they got. And to me, that is the most important thing. Um, you know, the undecideds and the ones who are not really watching it. This was on ABC, NBC, CBS. So people stumbled across it. What was it that they were seeing? Uh, let's go to Dave in New York. Hello, Dave. Uh, I guess good morning, Glenn. It's an honor to speak with you. I listen to you all the time. Thank you. Um, my wife and I watched both conventions. And, of course, we watched Hillary's speech last night. And people need to do their homework. People know... <laughs> 
really need to know her history and who she really is. And people need to see in a good sense. People need to see Dinesh D'Souza's movie, Hillary's America. You have to see it. Have you seen that yet, Stu? I don't know. Have you guys seen it? Maybe we should all go to the movie theater together because you guys have to see this. It is really well, really well done um, and explains who she is and the history of the Democratic Party. If you can get millennials and undecideds to go see that movie and just learn the history of the Democratic Party, it changes everything because nobody knows that history. And this is really well documented and really well done. Anyway, Dave, go ahead. Well, thank you. But uh, uh, as you're saying, it's uh, it's frightening to watch this and how beautifully packaged she was, uh, you know, as was our friend, Mr. Trump. (laughs) And um, (laughs) I don't know what that long story short, you know, uh, God help us. We deserve we the people deserve so much better than these two for candidates. I don't know if we do. um, uh, the thing with Hillary is she'll start the bus tour, and it's just people are drawn into this without really doing any research. And that's why it's so easy for these people with these abysmal histories to be elected. Dave, thank you so much for your call. Let's go to Lisa in Texas. Hello, Lisa. For taking my call. Sure. So I tried to do my homework assignment, as you've asked, and put my rose-colored glasses on and see what do I think if I'm the normal, uninformed, maybe that's not the normal, but the uninformed voter turning it on. And also because I have three teenage daughters and I want to see when they're watching, what's their reaction without my commentary? So I try to just kind of sit and listen. And throughout the week of the Democratic Convention, I thought, wow, it's like a Beatles concert. Like people are crying when Obama's up there. People are crying when Hillary gets up there. And you know, the passion and the energy and everybody's united in the happy family with Chelsea and Bill and Hillary and Obama and Hillary arm in arm. And he's like one big happy family. And so then, unfortunately, when I take the rose color glasses off, I see energy, of course, which makes me sad that I didn't see that the week before. And it makes me realize you know, how much thought was put into this and how calculated all of the speeches. And every night the speakers kind of wrapped around a a theme and unity and and all of that. But, you know, when when I watch it as the informed voter, I see them pan to Bernie Sanders when she's, you know, thanking him and congratulating him, and he looks completely disgruntled. Um, I see, okay, they're not a happy family because I know the history of them. And it's all kind of a charade and an act. Um, it is really, but, honestly, it's it's on, it's like knowing um, uh, a knowing a family, and you think they're the perfect family, and then later you find out that they are the most dysfunctional alcoholic family. That exactly. what's going on behind the scenes is incredible, but they present a really good front. They present a very united front. And it was like you were saying on your show yesterday or the day before, they do a great job of storytelling, and they put people up there who can evoke passion and tears and all of those kinds of feelings that people like to have. I mean, people want the warm and fuzzies. And so when they get the warm and fuzzies, they're inclined 
to follow that and to believe in it because I really do think people want to believe in something and they get caught up in this group think and, uh, and they follow it. And then on the other side of the coin, you know, we don't have a leg to stand on when we don't follow our principles and we end up with somebody like Donald Trump. I mean, we don't have a leg to stand on. It just, it so saddens me for my children's future, you know, and for myself. I mean, it's just, it's so frustrating to me. It's frustrating to watch, to watch it unravel, you know. Um, Lisa, what did your daughters think? My daughters, you know, they're, they're, um, they're very passionate people as well. They've heard my husband and I, you know, go on and on about talk radio for so long and they hear that in the car and, and all of that, but they go to a very conservative, um, private school. So I think their history teachers are doing a really good job of providing them with accurate information. So I think they can kind of see right through it. But they get caught up in a little bit of the passion, too. I mean, they see Katy yeah. Perry up there, you know, Alicia Keys. I mean, they're normal teenagers. So they, you know, they recognize that these people are doing a very good job of putting up packaging, front, basically. Yeah. yeah, packaging, branding, <laughs> yep. marketing, you know, they yep. see it. Yep. Um, Lisa, thank you very much. If we thank don't you. know, if we reason, don't know yet. So better than we are at that. Oh, my gosh. If we don't know yet um, that... Uh, politics has become entertainment now. Mm-hmm. It has become, I mean, uh, politics is Hollywood for ugly people. <laughs> and uh, at least what, on our side, it is. On our side. <laughs> and what they've done is they brought Hollywood now into politics. And this is Woodrow Wilson planted these seeds. And believe it or not, uh, it was Calvin Coolidge that was the first to bring in a marketing man to say, Hollywood has to help me. Um, So it was a Republican and a Republican conservative small government guy who actually was the first person to do that. But Woodrow Wilson was the first one to start using behavioral scientists uh, and advertising in a way that had not been done before. It's why he started the the, um, Washington Press Corps uh, Black Tie Dinner, the White House Correspondents' Dinner. <clears throat> this is now full-fledged intertwining of, of Hollywood and Washington, and it's pure entertainment. And they win. Uh-oh. Hands down, they win. We talk about uh, needing to learn the lessons of Hollywood and entertainment combining with, with uh, politics. But actually, in reality, we're teaching the lessons. We have a, a you know, the Republican Party is running a, a candidate who is a, you know, middling reality show host that is not particular i mean like say what you like about donald trump a lot of people like him at this point obviously supporting him but obviously he makes tons of mistakes he has all sorts of bizarre history and he's been able to clear through all of these politicians these people who are you know constitutional lawyers and all of this stuff he got through all of those people and think of our people with our with With our people on the side that is supposed to be focused on facts and, and and the constitution Imagine what the Democrats are doing. They've got Tom Hanks and George Clooney and Leonardo DiCaprio and God the only knows The greatest writers, else. the greatest producers. There is one thing. The, this is the best convention I have ever seen in my lifetime. Now, I have never From been production more... Standpoint. Productions. I have never been more frightened for my country um, than listening to the literal Marxists that have been speaking the revolutionaries that are speaking 
But if you just look at the packaging from as the America, uh, the average American will, this was brilliantly done. The packaging was brilliant. The messaging was brilliant. And I have one message for the Republicans that and Tea Party members that you need to hear that I learned this week that it has to be said, and I've been reading and I've been waiting for somebody to say it, and they, nobody else is saying it. I'm going to say it when I give you my review after we stop listening to the listeners here for hearing their point of view. I'm going to give you my point of view next hour. And uh, <laughs> better wake up because we gave it to them. We gave it to them. And I will, uh, I'll share that coming up in just a second. Let me uh, stop and take a quick break. Our sponsor this half hour is Simply Safe. Simply Safe is the home security company Pat has in his house because you were paying how much, Pat? $60? I think it just had gone up to $60 a month. Yeah. $60 a month. And you paid for the security system? Yeah. Um, and I got to sign a three-year contract. Oh, oh, that's good. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. Well, at least they gave you that. Yeah. So now you yeah, so now you do it for a really long time, which right. was really important. Well, stability, though, right? I mean, you're, exactly. You're getting locked right. into something like that long term. Yeah, Sixty yeah. bucks. You can plan, and you have a contract, but their contract allowed them to raise the price. Right. Yes. Yeah, well, that yeah. was correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sure, but at least you at least you know that you know this, the phone number is probably not going to change if you ever need to call them. Right. But at least you can take that security right. system with you if you move. Right. No. No. I, you no. Can't. None of those. Uh, you no. can't. No. no, but they came and took it out of the wall and then repatched your wall of your house. No, no they didn't. No. No. no, they didn't do any of that. Yeah. Simply Safe is a revolutionary way to look at um, at security. Uh, it's it's uh, all wireless. You own it. No contract. Monitoring is fourteen ninety five a month. What else do you need to say? You could live in the dark ages where somebody else is honestly screwing their stuff to the wall. And screwing you to the wall. Or you can go to SimplySafe. SimplySafeBeck.com. You'll get an, ex- uh, um, an exclusive 10% discount on the system right now if you go to SimplySafeBeck.com. That's SimplySafeBeck.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. I don't know if you saw this. Um, somebody leaked to BuzzFeed uh, a internal uh, memo between um, Bernie Sanders, the Hillary people, and the DNC people. We've been speculating this week on what did he get to sell out? What did he get? And I thought, you know, Bernie Sanders, he's always a guy who says what he means, means what he says. I thought he took just, I want some real platform reforms. Um, and I want my socialist agenda there. And uh, he did get that. She got. Yeah, she he got. He got that. Uh, but he also asked for something else, and the eternal memos have been leaked now. Um, he asked for a private jet from the DNC. <laughs> so the DNC, he wanted, he wanted private jet service whenever he goes and he does any kind of uh, 
fundraising or any speeches. He wants the DNC to pay for his private jet. Which they did, right? Oh, yeah, they did. They they caved to that. They caved to that. So, Mr. Man of the People. Yes. Mr. Rumpled Suit, I sit in the middle seat in, in, you know. Coach. In coach. Uh, I, I need a private jet. It is a solar jet, though. We should point yeah, that out. Yeah, we should. Because <laughs> he cares about the climate so it's much. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, it was interesting to see uh, yeah, during Ted the Cruz speech. The bad guy. Ted Cruz is the one who sold out. Right. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting to see both uh, night three and night four of the convention, um, Obama and Clinton tried to say very, have those po- that positive moment with Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. when he was in the crowd, say something really nice about him, try to win over the supporters. Each time they go to the shot of Bernie Sanders sitting there like a... We'll have nothing. Like a, yeah, he, he wanted nothing to do with that. And right after the speech, dropped out of the Democratic Party. He's gone. <laughs> He's now an independent again. Everything he said about unity and we got to stick together, the minute the convention was over... He dropped out publicly, dropped out of the Democratic Party. Again, it's all a show. Mm-hmm. It's all a show. There was a, when they first showed him, I thought that maybe his hearing aid was off and they didn't know he, he was talking <laughs> about him because he was just sitting there like with right. like angry face. Uh, well, he has, what is it, angry rich, uh, resting bitch, bitch face? Yeah, it was like resting bitch face. It yeah. was, RBF. Um, and I, it was almost that way. I mean, he was not, he did not smile and say, thank you. Uh, it was not that. I mean, and here's a moment where they're trying. I mean, they're obviously trying hard. Well, they had to. Um, yeah, they had to. I mean, they had to. He was not. Let not. me tell you what's coming for the DNC. In 2020, because of technology, do you remember the book that I told you about? And I asked Americans to read. And the Marxists were like, Glenn Beck is promoting this book. Yeah, because everybody needs to read it. Because I said it would come to America. The Coming Insurrection. And it was a book that was written in France. France, by the way, strangely, the other country that is in massive turmoil. Um, The coming insurrection. And what that was is the communists and the socialists, the Marxists, over in France were tired of the uh, the politicians saying, oh, we're going to give you these things and we're progressing towards that Marxist utopia. And they never get there. And they were ready to tear up the streets of, of France. Because of technology and because of what the DNC just did, the DNC did not openly embrace these Marxists um, until really about 2006, 2007. They started maybe a little in 2004, but by 2008, it was full-fledged Marxism, and by 2012, it was almost open that these were the Code Pink and all of these radicals were on their side. Right now, they're saying those things from the dais. So they're embracing the Marxist um, philosophy in their speeches now. I've never seen that. Have you ever seen that before, Pat? No. I've never seen this before. They have taken off the mask. Now, the problem is they're telling the good little Marxists to sit down. We got you. We're speaking your language. We're moving this forward. And just take what we're giving you right now because we're going to move that ball forward. I really, truly believe that there is a very good shot. The Marxists take us into revolution by 2020, and they will not stand for it in the next election. They will not. They will learn from what WikiLeaks just showed. And 
as we told you yesterday, the Russians and Alexander Dugin, they are they will promote revolution with those Marxists and unrest in the streets. That's what's coming. The Democrats are playing with fire. This is the Glenn Beck program. Mercury. Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Last night, the DNC, Hillary invoked some of her favorite progressive idols, including FDR. Today, we continue our series on progressive liars by focusing on one of Hillary and FDR's heroes, Woodrow Wilson. I hate that guy. And we start there right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. In 1912, there were at least two massive disasters for the United States of America. The sinking of the Titanic and the election of progressive Woodrow Wilson. Just a month after the completion of the grim Titanic recovery operation... Woodrow Wilson addressed the prestigious Economic Club of New York at a hotel bearing the name of one of the Titanic's most prominent victims. Speaking to business leaders at the Times Square's Hotel Astor, Wilson pushed back against the complaints that his ideas opposed the free enterprise system. He believed that wealthy families such as the Astors had turned the American Republic into their own fiefdom. The rich, he said had to be reined in, and their wealth confiscated for the public good, if necessary. The very thing the government cannot let alone is business. Wilson blustered. Government cannot take its hands off business. Government must regulate business because that is the foundation of every other relationship. The tragic sinking of the Titanic, a ship that its owners boasted was unsinkable, was the consequence of a hubristic, humanist assumption about man's ability to control natural law and to defy the will of God. And so was the candidacy of Woodrow Wilson. If you've ever listened to me on radio or TV, you probably know, I hate that guy, and I'm not a member of good standing in the Woodrow Wilson fan club. But what you might not know, however, is that neither is the American public. Not a single recent public opinion survey lists Wilson as among the greatest U.S. presidents. Even Jimmy Carter is more popular. Yes, Jimmy Carter. But unfortunately, the people who write history haven't quite figured out just how awful a president, not to mention a person, Woodrow Wilson actually was. In fact, few former presidents are held in such high esteem by modern liberals and progressives. Historians, most of them progressives themselves, 
routinely rank Wilson among the top 10 of the nation's chief executives. In fact, two polls conducted by Arthur Schlesinger Jr. rated Wilson behind only Lincoln, Washington, and big surprise, Franklin Roosevelt. Now, how can that be explained? Here's Howard University's historian Edna Medford's attempt. How we rank our presidents is, to a large extent, influenced by our own times. Today's concerns shape our views of the past, be it the area of foreign policy, managing the economy, or human rights, end quote. Well, if that's true, it only makes the liberal academic fetish for Wilson even more bizarre. Few presidents displayed such an open contempt for the Constitution they swore to preserve, protect, and defend. Even fewer had such severe disdain for women, minorities, and anyone else who deviated from Wilson's view of the, quote, perfect citizen, end quote. Yet some modern progressives have mixed emotions about Wilson. Listen to this actual recording of President Wilson telling Native Americans how good they have had it in America. There are some dark pages in the history of the white man's dealings with the Indians. And many parts of the record are stained with the greed and avarice of those who have thought only of their own profit. But it is also true that the purposes and motives of this great government and of our nation as a whole toward the red men have been wise, just, and beneficent. The remarkable progress of our Indian brothers toward civilization is proof of it and open to all to see. During the past half century, you have seen the schoolhouse take the place of the military post on your reservations. The administration of Indian affairs has been transferred from the military to the civil arm of the government. The education and industrial training the government has given you has enabled thousands of Indian men and women to take their places in civilization alongside their white neighbors. Thousands are living in substantial farmhouses on their own separate allotments of land. Hundreds of others have won places of prominence in the professions, and some have worked their way into the halls of Congress and into places of responsibility in our state and national governments. 30,000 Indian children are enrolled in government, state, and mission schools. The great white father now calls you his brothers, not his children. Because you have shown in your education and in your settled ways of life staunch, manly, worthy qualities of sound character. Embarrassed by his blatant prejudices, a few have demanded that his name be stripped from Princeton's elite Woodrow Wilson School of Government, as Chasing News points out. Rohan, you chased the story to Princeton University, where a bunch of kids are protesting a sit-in at the president's office, upset about the fact that Woodrow Wilson is the name of one of the colleges within the university. What do you got? Yeah, absolutely, guys. Wednesday at Princeton University, members and supporters of student group Black Justice League walked out of class to protest racism that they believe is at their school. They showed up to the office of the university president at Nassau Hall to demand that the name of Woodrow Wilson be stripped off every building program title and a mural in the dining hall uh, be removed. All right, well, I found a big one. Big sign that says Wilson College. The Wilcox Dining Hall is right inside and uh, I peeked through the windows, and guess what I found? Nice, big Woodrow Wilson mural. 
But the battle doesn't stop at Princeton. There are many other schools fighting the same battle across the country as the D.C. reports. The growing movement to find new appellations for buildings, landmarks, and even bodies of water named after Confederate leaders has finally expanded to reach Woodrow Wilson, America's 28th president. A history teacher at Woodrow Wilson High School in Portland, Oregon, is lobbying for the school to change its name. The teacher, Hyung Nam, has been calling for a new name for Wilson High for several months. The history teacher wrote in an April 22nd email to all staffers, We'd have to be ignorant about history to continue to affiliate ourselves with this man. Yet most still seem to excuse him, in much the same way they excuse the abhorrent behavior of people like Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, or Robert Byrd, simply because these people represent an ideology that they support. Never is this more apparent than in the case of Woodrow Wilson. Here, for example, is an all-too-typical description of him from the nonpartisan University of Virginia's Miller Center. Woodrow Wilson was one of America's greatest presidents. His domestic program expanded the role of the federal government in managing the economy and protecting the interests of citizens. His foreign policy established a new vision of America's role in the world, and he helped to make the White House the center of power in Washington. Most historians rank him among the five most important American presidents, along with Washington, Lincoln, and the Roosevelts. Note how the Miller Center folks call him one of the greatest, not the most consequential, which might actually be accurate. And also note that they directly tie his greatness to expanding the role of the federal government and the creation of an imperial presidency. But it's not just academics like those at the Miller Center who display a fawning love for Wilson. In 2002, an episode of the PBS series American Experience glowingly, quote, explores the transformation of a history professor into one of America's greatest presidents, end quote. Radical liberal Prime Minister David Lloyd George, who in many ways was Britain's version of Wilson, once even likened Woodrow Wilson to Jesus Christ. In the 1960s, President Lyndon Baines Johnson, another Wilson acolyte, spearheaded the formation of D.C.'s Woodrow Wilson Center. In announcing the project, Johnson proclaimed that there could be no more fitting monument to the memory of Wilson than an institution devoted to the highest ideals of scholarship and international understanding, end quote. In November 2015, the Washington Post columnist Richard Cohen even penned an article titled Woodrow Wilson was a racist, but he deserves our understanding, end quote. So why does Woodrow Wilson deserve our understanding when others do not? Is it because he was a transformational progressive who supported liberal causes such as the Federal Reserve System, the Federal Trade Commission, the implementation of the federal income tax, and the creation of a global world government, the League of Nations? Oh, make no mistake, you can bet it is. Wilson's presidency was the beginning of the end for the radical experiment of individual liberty that the founders had fought for. So how did it happen? Well, much like the case of the Titanic, the story of how something goes from mighty, brave, and unsinkable 
to slowly breaking apart and becoming a footnote in history requires the same relentless forces of humanity that the founders tried so hard to protect its citizens from. Hubris, greed, and most of all, fear. Want more serials? You can listen to every episode at glennbeck.com slash serials. Next week, you'll learn about the progressive liars in the failed temperance movement, prohibition, and the man who redefined the term progressive forever, FDR. Glenn Beck. You know, the Titanic actually helped change the world. The sinking of the Titanic um, helped Woodrow Wilson. And uh, we have something on display. Next week, we are doing a, um, our Mercury Museum which we open up once a year. We haven't had it open last year, um, but we generally open it up only one time a year for about three days. Next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, a week from today, the Mercury Studios, kind of like, uh, uh, kind of like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, um, open our doors, and we let you in behind the scenes, and we show you our museum. And it is truly remarkable. I am going to show you, for the first time, I think this is being shown in public one of the um, documents signed by America's first and only female president. I'm waiting for somebody. I know you're all looking at me with, with really bizarre looks. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we're interested to, uh, to find out. Because I thought last night we had the first female nominee, so how could there be a female president? We had a female who was acting as president, oh, I know and is. no one knew it. Yeah. Edith Wilson. Right. When Woodrow Wilson went down... Stroked out, right? He was stroked out. He was out. I mean, he didn't know what was going on. And Edith, at the beginning, was taking his hand, putting a pen in it, and just signing. It probably got old, though. By, yeah, it did. By the end, she was just signing everything, and she uh, went to the leaders of the party and said... He's going to run again. And they're like, he is toast. He's toast. And you're going to stop this right now. And you're going to, you're going to say he's not running. Or we're going to expose what's going on here. And she said, we can run another term. She was the president of the United States. And this has been buried by history. And we have one of those documents that she signed wow. On display next week. Really That's amazing cool. stuff. And that was almost two years. That was like I know. the last two years. It was a yeah. substantial amount of time. Yeah, and nobody could see the president for like eight months. I mean, they would, they would, he, she would always say, well, he's indisposed. Well, he's resting. He's this, he's that. And they finally said, we need to see. Both parties came and they were going to impeach um, or, you know, try to find some clause, because there wasn't a clause back then, find some clause to get him out of office. And, um, and they came to the White House and said, we demand to see the president. And the first time, she had rehearsed him so well, and she said, if, I say, if they say this, you say that. If they say this, you say that. And he was like a parrot. And the first time, she kept such tight reins on it, and she said he only has a couple of minutes He's very tired. Um, so, and she would, they would ask a question, and she would kind of interpret it to get him to say those parroted words, and then she ushered them out. And they all left, went, that something's wrong here. Yes, he was talking to us, but there's something wrong here. I mean, it, it's an amazing chapter of history that nobody knows. 
You'll read more about all of this stuff in Liars, uh, the new book that comes out next week. Liars, available now online um, and wherever books are sold next Tuesday. Uh, David Stockman, he was the director of office management and budget in the Reagan administration. He's written a new book. In it, he says, quote, since we got off the gold standard in 1971, total public and private debt outstanding soared by 40 times. By contrast, GDP expanded by only 16 times. Today, the elites actually think that Obama's ballyhooed 78 straight months of jobs growth and high stock markets is evidence that the U.S. uh, economy is fixed uh, and that the chilling financial crisis of 2008 was some aberration or bump in the road. It wasn't. Quote, the meltdown of 2008 was spring training for what is coming next. End quote. We have made this so much worse and... If Donald Trump wins the presidency, this, as soon as he wins, that's when the press is going to start saying how bad the economy really is and what we're in for. Up until this election, nobody's going to say it. If Hillary gets in, they still won't say it. They'll blame it on the do-nothing Congress if the Republicans are in charge. Or if not, they'll find some other person to blame it on. Um, It it might as well be you. Um, But they will blame it on capitalism and the banks and everything else but a massive meltdown is coming and it's worse because the fed didn't let the bubble burst in 08 i don't know how to say this to you um anymore um but if you are somebody who believes and feels it in your gut that something wicked this way comes please call goldline today Do it today. Find out if it's right for you. Find out if you can afford it. You'd be surprised. Um, There are many things that you can do, even in your 401k, that will allow you to have 10% of your 401k in gold. Don't do what you did last time in 08, God forbid, where you didn't even want to open up and look at what your 401k, see what was left. Please call now. They're waiting for your call at 866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. But call them right now, 1-866-GOLDLINE. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Coming up, um, a message about the Democrats and Hillary's speech last night, something that I, I, I pulled that I think is the message that conservatives need to hear and you need to see what's going on. Um, I watch this convention differently than most people. I'm trying to learn, you know, <laughs> how to speak to the American people and what, 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 you know, what is the message that especially from the, uh, from the Democrats, who use behavioral science. These guys are very well studied. And if you watched it, is there any doubt, what I said on Monday, and you guys didn't watch Monday, is there any doubt that somebody had 
messaging that said, tonight, you must put these words in your speeches, Mm. that this is the message that you can write your speech, whatever you want. But this is the point we're making tonight. Is there any? Oh, I think they definitely did that. Absolutely. We didn't do that. Democrat Republicans didn't do that. I mean, that was that that was I really expected that to be the best convention I'd ever seen. Instead, this was the best convention I'd ever seen. And I've never disagreed with every single speaker on the stage before. (laughs) But every single politician, I could not believe how Marxist, how there's going to come a time when they're going to take their masks off. It was this week. It's it's interesting that because I agree with you. um, But being that you watched day one. There was an interesting progression as you could really watch it move from left to right as the days progressed. I mean, by the end, I mean, part of yeah, last night seemed like it was a military rally at a Republican convention. I, Although the, the delegates are booing them. Right. I, but I'm saying the presentation. Yeah, the yeah. presentation. This is really critical. And this is what I want to address when we come back. The booing of the military message. Yeah. What was all of that about? I'll show you next. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glennbeck.com. All right. Um, I want to give you my review of the DNC um, uh, convention this week. And uh, I've got a couple of warnings and a, uh, a bright spot uh, for you um, in this. Let's start with the warning. What was presented this week? Because what you saw was a show. It was a Hollywood production. Hollywood politics is Hollywood for ugly people. And, um, and they have merged entertainment with politics now. And let me start with the reality of who they are. The reality of who they are is, at least on the Clinton side, they are big government elitists that use the government for control. They also use the idea of charity for control. Anywhere from the Clinton Foundation, which is corrupt to its core, at least that's the strong speculation, and I believe that to be true, and you will see the Obama Foundation do the same exact thing now, Um, but it's corrupt to the core, and you can see that in things like what they did in Haiti. If you're not going through the Clinton Foundation, um, you're, not, you're, you're not getting anything done there. Um, they are uh, they're using charity for control and cash. And they do that not only in their, in their um, you know, rainbow, what was it, Project Rainbow, or what was the, the, uh, the Rainbow Coalition, and, you know, Al Sharpton, they learned this from the black charlatans. 
And uh, then they learned this also from Eva Perone. And you can use this charity as a cash cow, but you can also use the government's charity as a cash cow. And you're not necessarily personally being enriched by it, but you are growing the size of government. I believe they are void of principles except for power and control and money. And they are also, and this one is really important, students of behavioral science. There is so much metadata out there on people now that they can, they, we don't have to do focus groups. We don't have to do um, uh, uh, even dial testing. We, we don't have to do these kinds of things that we're not really sure if people are really telling us the truth or not. We can get metadata now and we can see what people are reading, what they're connecting with, what they're engaging with. And that is what these guys do and do really well. So they know how to craft the message that reaches out to you. Now, here was the message to who was in that crowd. The message was, we're just like you. And this is why you, if you listen to the speeches, most of the speeches were reaching out to the Marxists, the radicals, the activists, the racists, the anti-Semites, the youth, the idealists, the undereducated, and the anti-religionists, the anti-God people. Different than atheists. Anti-God. Not an atheist. Anti-God. That's who their core is. And that's never been who the Democratic core was. But that's who they know if we cobble together these people, we'll be able to get things done because they'll mobilize and put people on the streets. Okay? So that's why during a prayer you had booze. That's why... Um, you had cheers when they talked negatively against Israel and positively for uh, Palestine. Uh, when you, uh, when uh, they were breaking for a silent moment for the police officers, that's why you had the chance of Black Lives Matter happen. Uh, that's why you heard in their speeches pure socialism and Marxism uncovered and without any mask. This is a ticking time bomb. And if we have time, I'll get into that in a second. But I want to tie, if you will, if you think about these in, the, in three categories, reality of who they are, the core's reality, the people who are actually in that building and are really funding them, the core reality, and then who are they trying to reach and co-opt during the week? Let me tie the first column together to the last column. Reality, they are students of behavioral science. Now, because of that, let's see who they tried to co-opt. Because if you listen to the actual speakers and you knew what, what was what, you heard them talk radical Marxism. You heard them say things that were unbelievable. However, if you were watching as the average person, you heard a very youthful, very fun, very united, 
um, uh, very centrist, even constitutional approach. When the Muslim came out last night and pulled his constitution out and said, Mr. Trump, pulled his pocket constitution out of his jacket and said, Mr. Trump, do you even read the constitution? Do you even know what's in the constitution? Now, let me ask you something. Who in the life of America has a pocket constitution? Tell me who has a pocket constitution. Tea party people. Tea party people. Tea party people. Tea party people. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What else did we hear talking about this week that Tea Party people are talking about? You heard them talk about the founders over and over and over again. You heard Hillary Clinton last night quote de Tocqueville, democracy in America. America is great because America is good. You heard all kinds of language that is taken directly from the Tea Party movement. Did you not? Anybody disagree with that? Totally true. Totally true. That was the mask that they were wearing. They were wearing the Tea Party mask. That This corruption has to stop, and if we just do the right things, if we just take care of each other, and if we, if we, just, if we just would follow the Constitution... If we would just return to our founding principles, we'd be okay. Well, you and I know they don't believe a word of that. They've been fighting against it. They've been mocking the people who have been saying that for eight years. So now, wait a minute. Let me look at this co-opting. They tried to co-opt the FDR, JFK Democrats and make them seem like that's who we are, but that's not who they are, by moderating towards the center The Reagan Democrats, if those are such a thing, the people who might have voted for Reagan but then returned to the party. I think this was I think this was Ronald Reagan's convention, quite honestly, except for the actual words spoken by the candidates and by the politicians. This had the feel of Ronald Reagan's morning in America. The underinformed people, the people who just don't pay attention to these things that just might have casually watched and watched the people like the Muslim guy who came out and said the Constitution, and you would say yes, because I would. Yes, we can't do that. The cultural voters, the people who are just watching for the stars and just watching it like a concert, and people who are like, you know, this is a happy place. This is a good group of people. I like these people. Looks like they're having fun, right? But then the Tea Party constitutionalists, and even the rule of law voters. How could they have done that? Why would they do that? Here's the message the GOP, shame on you, needs to hear. You don't know your ass from your elbow. You could even look at research, but it wouldn't mean anything to you. Here's a group of people that know how to connect to the American people, know how to connect to their heart, and do enough homework to look at behavioral science and say, what is the American people? What is it that they are feeling? Who's out there that feels something and is impassioned and wants America to change, but not the people like Ted Cruz, not those people listening to Glenn Beck, because they're, in, they're informed. They know what the truth, they know who we are. 
But what's out in the center of the country that the average person who is not well informed on who we are, what is it that's connecting with them? The Tea Party values, the constitutional values, the red, white, and blue values, the values of our founders. What did the GOP do last week? They reached out to the Bernie Sanders people. They were reached out. To, they completely jettisoned our founding documents. They completely jettisoned the Tea Party people. Did you notice that last night they, these guys were reaching out, not just to the Tea Party, but all, not only to the Bernie Sanders, but all week they were reaching out to you? I told you that great movements, they blink right before they're about to win. And I have said for years, we cannot blink. And I said to you last summer, you don't know how close you are to winning. You're almost there. Don't blink. Don't lose your values. Don't blink. You're about to win. This was confirmation that the Democrats who have been belittling and saying how powerless and how out of touch and out of the mainstream we are for quoting the Constitution and the founding documents. This is proof positive that these people who are students of behavioral science has made an entire week about us. They have used our words, our approach, everything that is in our heart, and they put it front and center. America is great. Because America is good. How many times have you heard Glenn Beck say that? Obviously a quote, but you've said it a thousand times. A thousand times. It's in the middle of a Hillary Clinton speech. How about this, Glenn? Did you, watch, did you guys watch the, uh, the Hillary Clinton intro uh, movie? You guys have to see oh, that? Darn it, I missed that. No, no, it's, it's, it was fascinating. Think about 2004, 2008, yep. 2012. They show uh, Hillary Clinton comes in to the office after 9-11. She wants to say that she's a New York senator goes in, sees George W. Bush, and asks him for all sorts of things. What does George W. Bush do in any other year? In he this, rejects her. He rejects her. He says, look, we don't have the money. You do it yourself. The way this plays out last night in the video, um, uh, I went into uh, the president. I, I had to ask for $20 billion. And he said, whatever you need. <laughs> they, I mean, you want... This is, who is this person? They haven't said one nice word about him right. since 1999. GOP RNC wow. idiots. You idiots. Maybe after you get your ass handed to you by a bunch of Marxist revolutionary radicals who have just cloaked themselves as you. <laughs> maybe you'll figure it out that maybe we should stop moderating to the left. Now this, terrorist school shooters enter buildings. What buildings do they, do they enter? Oh, uh, gun-filled zones? Yeah, yeah they, all, they often enter the gun stores and right. start shooting it up. <laughs> They're always the gun-free zones, and people wonder why California gun sales are rising quickly. Our studio is a gun-free zone for visitors. But you're allowed to carry if you work here and we have guns in the building because we're smart enough to know gun-free zones are a target. You come in and start shooting, we'll kill you. Um, and it will be somebody who's not a guard. 
Isn't that interesting? Um, recently, I spent some time with Gordon Bond at Bond Arms at a local shooting range, and he showed me the new Patriot and backup models, new guns from Bond Arms. Every time you shoot a Bond Arms gun, it's solid, it's capable, it's consistent. You'll know what you're, you're going to hit, what you're aiming at. They're all made here in Texas. Whether you're a gun collector or a first-time buyer, choosing a gun is personal. And I don't know what gun is right for you, but please, before you buy a gun, check out what Bond Arms has to offer. BlazeBond.com. It's like carrying a shotgun in your pocket. BlazeBond.com. BlazeBond.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. You need to see Hillary's America uh, by Dinesh D'Souza. Um, it is, I mean, he, he, he's such an amazing guy. He went to prison for eight months. Prison. And for the first two weeks, he told me he was just freaked out. And he didn't talk to anybody. And he's like, okay, because I mean, he's a curious guy. He's like, I can either be here for eight months and just waste this, or I could possibly learn something from it. And so he started to befriend the inmates and he started listening to what they were talking about. And he listened about how the game was played and how corruption and he would turn the, the TV on to news and they weren't watching news and he'd turn it on to news. And one of the you know, gang members, one of the guys who went to prison for you know, I, I, some bad stuff said to him, you know what, this is the same thing that I do. They're just, they're just doing it legally. And it started him thinking, and he started to ask them, okay, so how does this work? And he realized this is a giant scam. This is exactly what we put prison, people in prison for. And the movie is called Hillary's America, but also The Secret History of the Democratic Party. That is mind-boggling. What they say about the Democratic Party is truly mind-boggling. Uh, because you've never learned it before. And it's very well researched. It's very well done. Gerald Mullen, the guy who did Jurassic Park with Steven Spielberg uh, and Schindler's List, he's the executive producer on it. Really well done movie. It's open in movie theaters everywhere. Just on its opening weekend, it became the uh, biggest selling uh, documentary of the year. Don't miss it. Hillary's America. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Won't 
be really free if we don't stay united. 'Cause divided, we will fall for anything. It's true. So I have decided I will stand for you, and I will. Play this for a really um, to to be able to make a point on the convention last night. I want you to hear the lyrics. Some say there's no way your way will ever be okay. They say the best days are behind. So rewind and you will find the times where. Best man, defend every friend, every countryman. Just now there's no. Know if you heard that last stanza, but it is—it's people say that our best days are behind us, but they're not if we choose and and if we can just stand together. What what happened to the time when we stood behind every man? So this is a song that um, I commissioned、uh, with David Osmond, and we spent the a couple of days on the phone. And I said, "This is what I want to say, David, because this is this is the way I feel, and I think this is what America is feeling. What happened to us? Our best days are still in front of us, but you know, people say that your side, your way, is never going to work." And I'm saying that you know my way is the way. You're saying your way is the way. We we got to stop this. We have to start coming together, and we have to stand with the people that we don't even like, but we have to stand for their basic rights, and we have to love each other. Did anybody hear the music that was commissioned? By the DNC after Hillary's speech last night. Can you play a little bit, Pat? This is as they were doing the balloon drop. 
This is Jessica Sanchez. This was written by three Grammy Award winning composers. Listen. It's been storming, pouring on us way too long. And we're at that point of breaking. So we must keep holding on. We gotta be strong for each other. We must be there for each other. We gotta care. Telling you, it is the same song. It is the same spirit. It's the same message. Now these are a group of people who have freaking behavioral scientists. We just have our gut on our side, and we know what's right. They're writing to things they find in research. We are writing because we feel it to the depths of our souls. And what is winning? Better days to come. Oh my gosh. So, I'm sorry, but I just turned it off. I can't. <laughs> Why are they not singing am, about the government helping, though? So I, mean, I, don't, I don't hear the right lyrics there. <laughs> right. Government needs to right. do. Hey, can yeah. I ask you a question, Pat? Can I ask you a question? Taxes on the wealthy. I want you to answer that. I want you to answer the question with no, uh, just answer only the question I'm asking you. Until this week, has Barack Obama ever reached out to you? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. There's nothing he has ever said that you can recall that has ever reached out to you? Not that comes to mind. Okay. Has he ever said things that you felt um, he genuinely reached out and understood you as a conservative? Never. <laughs> has he ever done anything to mock the conservative? Oh. Has he ever done anything to take and twist the point of view of a conservative or a GOP person, a Republican, and and made you feel like that's not who we are. That's not what we are. All the time. Has he ever made you feel like he hears you? No. Has he ever made you feel like he understands you? No. Did anybody notice what he said in his speech? Now, wait, wait. Do you believe the things that he has said in the past were from his gut or from a behavioral scientist? When he said, when he twisted things... I think they were from his gut. They were from his gut. Yeah. Okay. So you believe that he doesn't like you. Yes. He doesn't agree with you. Right. He doesn't know who you really are. Mm-hmm. Okay. What did he say during his speech? He said, what happened last week uh, with the RNC convention, that wasn't Republican. That wasn't conservative. And that spoke to me for the first time in his <laughs> in the nine years I've known about Barack Obama. And what did he? What was he saying to you? He was saying Donald Trump doesn't represent you, but we do. Now, of course, he was you saying don't believe I, I don't do. believe that. Of course, I. In fact, I know it's not the case. I know Donald Trump doesn't represent me, but neither certainly. I mean, even less so does the DNC and okay. does Barack Obama. 
So what was he doing? Reaching out. He, I, I In think, the first time that yeah. we can recall, he reached out. And how did he reach out? He didn't reach out with a promise. The entire week, if I hear one more person <laughs> tell me that the road we're on is not the right road, <laughs> I may lose Gandhi for five seconds and just beat the snot out of you. Um, but you know that's true. What did, <laughs> what did, why did, how did he reach you? He reached you through your heart by embracing you and loving you and saying, look, I understand you. I get it. I hear you. Man, and you know what? You're, not, you're better than that. And I know that. Even I know that. You're better than that. Holy cow. And what are we doing? Pummeling him in the face. Pointing our finger. Wagging our finger. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Instead of saying, I hear you. I hear you. Man, and I understand. I understand. Our philosophy for the conservative movement is 180 degrees out of whack. It's, it's walking in the opposite direction of success, as yeah. always. It's not the philosophy, it's the... No, 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 the, the philosophy of, of packaging, the yeah. way of communicating, the understanding of how people even work. And, and maybe I'm... <laughs> Maybe I'm more aware, but I don't think so. We wrote that song last year. That was the message. That was the message. And there are people that are in that song. When we do the theme song at the top, there, there were, it, was, it was quite a production. There were lots of singers, black, white, left, right. Some of the people said no at first until we said, wait a minute, listen to the lyrics. And they said... If that's Glenn Beck's message, I'm for that. I'll do that. Hello? Now, people will say all the time, it won't work. Oh, that's going to work. We need revolution. You're the stupid Marxist at the DNC that was calling for revolution. How far do you think... How far do you think the people who were chanting and booing during prayer or doing a moment of silence for the police officers, how far do you think they, they moved the party towards success? Not at all. How far did the Muslim who came out and said, look, here's who I am, and I agree with you, and, but you can't do that. It's, it's, it's unconstitutional. How far did the woman who, who it was in a wheelchair who does speak like this, like Donald Trump was mocking, when she came out and she said, I feel sorry for him. She could have been angry. I would have been. She could have said, how dare you say that? How dare you mock people like me? Instead, she said, I feel sorry for him. How can you have that much hate inside of you? He doesn't see me. That's not who I am. That's not who people like me are like. You think she moved the needle farther? Or did the Marxist revolutionaries who were crying and chanting? How about the woman, the black woman who came out, who, who said, 
I, I want to be rich. I want success. I, I want to live that American dream. But Donald Trump and his Trump University destroyed my dream, took all of my money that my husband, who died in the service of his country, he gave me, left me and the kids money. I took that and I thought, I'm going to better myself. And who better to learn from real estate than Donald Trump? And I signed up for his university and he took every dime I had and I got nothing. And I tried to get my money back the first week. If five days I knew this was a mistake and I tried to get my money back and they wouldn't. And it's all the money I had. I'm not here to be angry. I'm here to tell you, please don't fall for this like I did. Who do you think moved the needle further? That person or us screaming about how horrible Hillary Clinton is? Or them screaming about what a racist Donald Trump is? They positioned this the entire time with the three things that I've been saying are missing. You don't feel like you belong. Look at what they did. They reached out to Bernie Sanders to the point of giving that Marxist an airplane to get him. There's new, a new memo that has been released and leaked to the press where Bernie Sanders said, you want me to speak? You got to give me an airplane. You got to give me a jet. And they did. And they did it just to get him on board. Plus, they incorporated all of his planks in the DNC platform. Okay, if that's what you want, okay. They brought him on board. He worked hard to bring his people on board. Total sham, but they did it. They spent all week saying not only to their own people, the Marxists and the radicals, you belong here, but they also said to Pat, you're better than that, Pat. I know you. Is that a big tent? You belong here. Second thing I've said, nobody hears me. They were saying to Pat, I hear you, Pat. I hear you. I hear you. I know. I know. And the third thing they didn't accomplish is you don't feel like you have any control of your life. But I think in a way, they can't ever accomplish that because they're for big government. But through marketing, they made you feel like I'm in a group that hears me. They're going to give me control of my life. Those three things are the main thing that I believe America feels right now and is the source of our problem. We did nothing, nothing except inflict more pain on the people who feel those three things. And we did it with anger and fear instead of love and charity. At least love and charity that's prepackaged and meaningless. I know that. I know that this was nothing but a movie or a stage show. It, it, there was nothing real there. But you, you connected with your heart. They went after your heart, not your head. And I know there's a lot of conservatives that say, well, we, we, win the, we win the intellectual war. Really? And where has that gotten you? We have the winning point. We have the winning argument. 
but we dismiss the heart every single time. Imagine, imagine if when we did that song, if we were the head of the RNC and it was our convention to run. And beyond that, we had the ability to then call Grammy Award winners and say, hey, uh, we need you guys to write a song with these lyrics because we also have the best behavioral scientists with these lyrics. And here's where it's going to be. Oh, and by the way, we're going to use those lyrics in the entire night in all of the speeches. Oh, and J.J. Abrams, can you make our candidate look really good? (laughs) Oh, and you know what? definitely a special effect. I know we're reaching for the bottom of the barrel, but we've used all the big guys. Uh, why don't you just get that American Idol runner-up to do that song at the end? <laughs> Imagine what we could accomplish because we have the winning argument and we believe it. We don't have any of those tools, but somebody has got to get into the GOP. No, somebody's got to start a new party And then somebody has got to get in who knows what the F they're doing with with creating a feeling that connects to the heart. Blown it. Blown it so big time this time. I don't think you recover from it. But we'll see. And on that happy note, let's... I'm going to say you really connected with my heart there. I'm so ang- I'm so frustrated because it's not that hard. Oh, it's I mean. not that hard. <sighs> okay, um, here's a really uh, here's a really exciting thing uh, to talk to you about gold and gold line. Why should you look into gold or silver? <sighs> because you know and I know everything about the banking system is smoke and mirrors. Just like the DNC convention, it's a show. It's not reality. It's a show. And when we show you behind the scenes, when the cracks start to show, this thing collapses. And what will you have? Please don't go through what you did in 2008 with your, with your 401ks, where we all were afraid to open it up to see how much was left. Very little. Please call Goldline now. 1-866-GOLDLINE. Find out if gold or silver is right for you, but do it now. 1-866-GOLDLINE. 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Throughout history, progressives have been murderers, terrorists, torturers, and slavers. In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck helps you understand the why and how behind the progressive movement. Liars, available August 2nd. Pre-order now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Why the GOP thinks they can win without the conservatives, and yet the, the DNC tried everything they could to reach out to the conservatives. I mean, with lies, with lies. But they 
tried to reach out and did everything they could to conservatives and even the religious. Amazing dichotomy. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. program next week my uh, book liars how progressives uh exploit our fears for power and control comes out um we urge you to get your copy now Uh, buy a copy for yourself keep this um because history is written by the winners and we are not the winners uh and i believe this stuff is going to be even swept under the rug even more um there is stuff here about the progressives early 20th century american progressives that will blow your mind that you didn't know things that the government has done that you have absolutely no idea but it explains what we're going through now and the way to stop it it is behavioral science how do you beat this um you can find it uh, at uh, bookstores or wherever books are sold also to mark the um uh, the debut of that book next week we are doing our liars or liberty uh, museum tour um this is we have about four people that have amazing collections um that of things that you just don't ever see um and we're going to be sharing those and putting those on display for three days next week general admission i think is i don't know 10 bucks for kids or i I don't know how much it is um but you can bring your whole family there's also uh ways to have dinner with us and um you know vip packages and tours of the studio tours of everything i'm going to be giving tours i'll be here all next week uh, weekend, I want to meet you, say hello, um, but uh, just join us here at the Mercury Studios. If you're anywhere near, it's worth flying in for. Um, let me just show you a couple of things I brought in today that are going to be starting. To, they're going to start rearranging some of the things. And these are some of these are from my collection. This is uh, original concept drawing, 1974 of Space Mountain, uh, which looks pretty uh, awesome. I'm sorry if you're not watching us on TV or listening on radio. This one will translate to radio. This is a uh, script of the bar scene from the first Star Wars that is handwritten or hand uh, annotated by George Lucas. Um, and it, it, you, you see the, uh, how, the, how the script changed. It's really kind of cool. This is really amazing uh, for me. This is the original Snow White. When Walt Disney would say he was going to do a uh, movie, he would, he would stand up in front of everybody and he would tell the story. Then he would hand these out and say, okay, so here's, here's what I have so far and, um, and what we need to come up with. And so this was, how do we find the funny things in the Snow White? And it lists the seven dwarves, happy, sleepy, doc, bashful, jumpy, grumpy, and seventh. And so, I know not a very clever name. I don't know what the last one, just call it seven. Seven. Uh, the seventh was deaf, always listening intently, happy, quick movements, and spry. That became dopey. Uh, and jumpy became uh, sneezy. But anyway, what is interesting to me is the guy whose copy this was, and this is how do we punch the script up? How do we add jokes to it? 
uh, from Walt Disney. The, guy, the name of the guy who this was handed to was Dick Humor. Dick Humor. Mr. Humor. Dick Humor. Really? I just thought that, I just thought that was... You just, you just maybe it's just me, part. the 12-year-old boy in me, that thought the gag handout for Snow White going to yeah. Richard Humor... So, it's kind of funny. And this, so I think what we, you just said is this museum is not going to go over your head. Nope. Uh, We're lowballing. This is towards the end. It's a low ball end. Uh, but there's lots of things that you've just never seen before that's really cool. And we've added a whole cultural section uh, this time that we have some things that just you've never seen before. You've seen them in the movies a million times. You've never seen them in real life. So, um, was it liarsorliberty.com? Liarsorliberty.com is where you can get the, um, uh, the tickets. Let me just give you this on the convention last night, and then I want to give, have Stu give his, his final thoughts on what he saw because it was his last night, his night to watch uh, and keep notes. I don't know if you guys read 180report.com. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the Drudge Report, except, oh, I don't know, a lot better. Um, <laughs> Lots of uh, InfoWars links on there. We're getting a lot of Alex Jones. No, there's, there's none. I'm not a single one. No, oh my uh, that's. Gosh. Strange. But anyway, what, what, the reason why I like it is because there's a button up at the top and it says right or left. And so, for instance, the, 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 it shows all of the headlines of the news and how the right is talking about an event. And then you push that button and it all turns blue and it goes to left. And it shows you many of the same stories. But what are the big stories the left is talking about and how they're talking about it? So both the right and left are talking about Hillary's speech. But here's what's interesting. If you go to 180report.com and you look at it when it comes up, if it comes up on right on yours, it does on mine. I don't know how it works, but how Hillary blew her big moment. And it's a really good essay on she blew it. She had the opportunity, but she blew it. You push the button to go left. A man you can bait with a tweet can't be trusted with nuclear weapons. And the left's look at Hillary Clinton's speech. It's really fascinating to get into the mind of the other side, whether you're left or right. Yeah. Um, I uh, had something, I don't know if this is covered on 180 Report, but I, I, I had a proposal um, that I would like to throw out there to the nation, which is we trade two terms of Hillary Clinton being in the White House and having the presidency. In return, we never have to hear fight song again. Uh, <laughs> is that something you guys would be interested in? I, I would be. Uh, my daughter wouldn't be. Oh, God, every five seconds a stupid fight song was driving me crazy, and they did it a lot last night. Um, so let me ask you this, Glenn, on just appearances, um, and you actually have added to this conversation today, which is when we went to CNN headline news, one of the first things they told us was not to wear white on television. Yes. Now, you happen to be decked out, and I don't know who wore it better, you or Hillary, but you're dressed in wall white today. She was dressed in the white pantsuit last night. That was kind of an interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't. You wouldn't wear white on. If I'm going out to do a national speech, you don't wear white. Right, and she did. Yeah, it just it screws. Should tell her screws the cameras up. Yeah, it 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 does all kinds of things that you just don't want to happen while you're giving a speech. She also needs to be told stop with the Chairman Mao outfit. Yeah, that's her look, though. That's her look. It really it is her look, but it's a why is that the look? I don't know. They they started Chairman Mao. She tried to change it for a little while, and she looked uh, good for Hillary. You know when she looked good was in her video. Did you see the video? She was sitting at the kitchen a kitchen table with like a nice sort of button up shirt on. She looked she was lit perfectly. All of the the stagecraft you've been talking about, but she looked great. You know she looked great for my daughters. My daughters have been watching and said. 
dad, if I just watch those those videos in oh my between, gosh. I think she's wonderful. But of course. I mean, we know who she know is. No, she's not. But, yeah. Um, and that was the thing. Like seven and a half years of nonstop uh, conservatives are evil. Uh, to me, I can't make up for that in one night of saying they're not so bad. But, but I think I the American think, people might not be like that. Yes, I don't think the American people, I don't think they are who we say, they, who we think they are. Um, I just, I think that they are, um, they're surface dwellers when it comes to politics. They're tired of it. And so they're just watching for the spectacle. Hoping. I did think the white uh, outfit had a nice contrast to the dark soul. <laughs> That was but that was another thing. It was uh, a lot of praise for FDR, mm-hmm. um, and then that that famous quote. Of course, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. You, you should add internment camps onto the thing you should fear, and and that, for some reason that always gets skipped over when it comes to Democrats talking about FDR. But I find it to be kind of a look at what they did. Part they were reaching out that pleases the the progressive, but it also pleases the older Democrat who grew up with the Democratic Party not being this radical Marxist revolutionary party. And so by saying FDR, the older generation that goes out and votes goes, okay, yeah, they, they know. They, yeah. we're, oh, FDR, he was great. Mm. I mean, the stagecraft, whoever was responsible for the messaging all the way through was genius, really genius. I really think the, DN, the RNC should spend money, real money, just studying how they put this together. And, and genius, it was really genius. Genius in the way Leonardo DiCaprio is in Catch Me If You Can. He was a criminal. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was genius, but he yeah. was a criminal. And it was oh, no. the same thing here. In Absolutely. That, you know, first of all, they happened to be actually nominating a criminal. But besides that, yeah. uh, they, they yeah. also... No, it, I mean, it, was, it, was, uh, it, it is the book. Liars. How progressives use lies to capture you. And, I mean, it is the book. You want to understand what they did this week? Read the book. An interesting uh, self-deprecation thing I've noticed from um, both her and Kane. Uh, Tim Kane this morning said on CNN, uh, you know, I understand that a lot of people find that I have sort of a goofy quality, which is playing off of these memes that are going around about him being the weird kind of dad from down the street. Um, and then she, in the speech last night, and I don't know that I've ever heard anyone in a big acceptance speech say something like this. She said, some people don't know what to make of me. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. I think her real problem is that some do know yeah. what to make of her. Most do. Um, but, I mean, that's... Most do in her own party. Right. I think that's true. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's, uh, it was an interesting thing to utter out. No, they were... Spend some of that, though, because Obama the night before said that Hillary's made mistakes... Oh, we all have. And I've made, well, yeah, I've we made all mistakes, have. Yeah. which no. was the first time he's ever. You know why made they're that, doing so. this again? Why are they doing this? Interesting. Why? Probably a behavioral scientist. <laughs> what? It, what are they seeing that says you'll make big points if you do this? There's something else they're balancing. It's the arrogance of Donald Trump, right. and so people right. are spooked by the arrogance of Donald Trump. And so instead of when has. When has this president ever been humble? Never. Now, never. now he is. His speech was so humble and so nice and so reaching out to the other side. He didn't have the Mussolini stance yeah. because Donald Trump took that now. He's the owner of the Mussolini stance. Yeah, and so have. they're smart enough, again, and it's not the politicians because they're not smart enough to do this. Somebody was smart enough to say, humble, humble, humble. Mm-hmm. Everyone was humble. Look, I've... 
I'm just like you, and I understand. Oh, yeah. and that was a lot of I'll that. make mistakes, and some people can't figure me out. And <laughs> yes, I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, it's funny too because you mentioned because uh, Obama never does that. The only times he's done it was the speech the other night. And his 2004, his introduction to right. America yep. at the convention. When he was Both. supposed to be this moderate, when yep. he was yep. moderate, to be this post-racial, uniter. yeah. And now that the presidency's over, he's back to that guy apparently. Um, I, I, and it was it, to see that happen, like you know, because we talked about the Libertarian Convention a while ago, and the, the fact that there was a, a big fat guy in a thong uh, <laughs> on stage dancing in the middle of their mm-hmm. convention, and everyone mocked their convention. Why, why I take that a thousand times in a row over what we've seen over the last two conventions. To be honest, fat guys in thongs all the way instead of being lied to. Um, however, the stagecraft of it is so important, and you'd think Libertarians would understand that uh, they don't. Libertarians no, they don't. are the only party besides the Democrats, that could actually pull this off. But I don't know if you could get the libertarians to do it because there are a lot of Marxist libertarians, which I don't understand how that works. Um, But there's a lot of Marxist libertarians. There's a lot of people who are far, far left that hate the far, far right libertarian. And the far, far right hates the far, far left. You got to come together. You got to come together. And if they could, if they could unite On the Constitution, stay out of my life, whether I'm left or right, stay out of my life. They could they could use the Hollywood writers and everything else, because there's a lot of people, a lot of people who are creatives, who are libertarian and are sick of both of them. Um, They don't know if they'll ever do it. One of the big talking points was uh, Citizens United. Um, if you don't know, so the Citizens oh, United is... Always a big talking point <laughs> for these idiots. Yeah. Citizens United is, if you don't oh, know... That's uh, the spirit of love. I know. No, I know, it is. No, I know. No. <laughs> um, I was interested to see that um, uh, that becomes a talking point in a weird way because the op- opposition candidate also wants to repeal Citizens United. So there's no disagreement <laughs> between the two parties. I mean, that's a stated position. Um, and, you know, it's just, I mean, it's just the First Amendment, but it is something that both sides tend to agree on. Uh, don't right, worry about I, the First, first Amendment. Amendment. There's nine back. others. And if we're gonna, Forget about it. We're gonna, now there's actually 26 others. We're going to come back here in just a minute, but I have to, and I'm afraid I won't get to it if, if I don't do it now. We're losing a really, really... A good guy and a special member of our staff, and he's the one holding the camera right now. Turn the camera around on yourself, Justin. <laughs> no, don't do it to the audience. Uh, don't do it. Oh. Justin, Justin Amash, yes, relative of that Amash. Congressman, uh, yep. yep. He is, uh, he's been with us since the beginning of GBTV, and he's going to uh, WWF because they're offering him like $5 billion to work two days a week. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and we're going to miss you, Justin. You have been a good friend and an open mind and a guy who wasn't sure if he even liked me, I think, when you came. Um, and uh, We feel the same way about you now. And we've, you like us, but now we don't like you. <laughs> and thank you for everything that you've done. And thanks for being such a good example to everybody on the staff. We love you. you. And we wish you... We, thank you. Mm. We, we wish you the best. He does. Yeah. So no, that's Jeffy a, wishes everybody the worst. Everyone. He hopes you fall in the parking lot and run over. But, <laughs> and he'll um, be driving the car. <laughs> in the middle of the night, you wake up drenched, covered in sweat. You can crank up the AC all you want to try to keep cool, but who can afford that? And it really doesn't keep you cool because it's the bed that's hot. If you have one of those foam mattresses, it traps the heat and you are on fire in the middle of the night. This is why Casper... It was named by Time Magazine uh, one of the best inventions of 2015. 
because they've invented foam that doesn't hold the heat like that. And so you don't wake up with that problem. And it doesn't smell like foam mattresses usually smell. And it'll give you a great night's sleep. Now, beyond that, the other thing that Casper has going for it is they have made it inexpensive and they've cut out the middleman. So they sell directly to you. So you're going to get the best mattress you can sleep on at an unbelievable price. And they give you a 100% money-back guarantee, 100% for 100 nights. You try it for 100 nights. You don't like it. They pay for shipping, and they refund every single penny. Go right now to Casper.com. Use the promo code BECK. You'll get $50 off the purchase of your mattress. Casper.com. Try it in your home right now. Terms and conditions do apply. It's Casper.com. Promo code BECK. Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. Mercury. Glenn Beck program. So, Stu has one thing to leave us with. Yeah, uh, Jeffy actually tweeted this last night of Tim Kaine like, reacting to the balloons and <laughs> it, it hitting them around. And Je- Jeffy said something like, relax, they're just balloons, Tim. Like, it's not that big of a deal. But to see Hillary, who gets stunned to see Tim Kaine on stage. I can't believe I'm seeing this person. It's the last person oh. I could have possibly expected. Was the way she reacted. He's your running mate, Pumpkin. Same thing to the balloons. And then... We tweeted this out at World of Stew, and you can see it if you're watching TV. Her reaction to the fireworks is one of the most overacted, Unbelievable. ridiculous moments you'll ever see. <laughs> not real. Shows how calculated she yeah, is. Yeah, she's not real. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.